Hello, my friends. Did you see that Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House in the United States, visited Taiwan and the Chinese communists? Oh, my God. They, the reaction was, well, it was tantamount to a call to war. They had military drills surrounding Taiwan. They put planes in the air and ships in the sea. What do we make of that? Are we headed into another war? I'll give you my thoughts on it. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. I do the show every weekday. Sometimes I have a guest host, but most of the time it's me. Also, four times a week, we have another show by a colleague of mine. So you add it all up, that's 36 episodes a month just for eight bucks, the video version of it. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. Do it for the content, but do it, if I may, to support us because we don't get any government money and it shows. That's rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's the show. And by the way, my friend David Menzies is doing the guest interview today. Here it is. Tonight, what do we think of Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan? It's August 4th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Sensorious bug. Hey, let's talk about foreign affairs. There's that war in Ukraine, of course, and rattlings and rumors of wars in Taiwan. Taiwan calls itself the Republic of China. They say they're an independent country. In fact, they say they have the right to claim the Chinese mainland. Well, the People's Republic of China, which is Communist China, says the reverse. They say that Taiwan is a rogue province. They, Taiwan, belong to China proper, and they're just it's going to be reunified. It's been a standoff that way since the Kuomintang, the anti-Mao forces, all retreated to Taiwan after his successful revolution over 70 years ago. But um, if you want to talk about foreign affairs and Justin Trudeau, you should know that he just decamped for a two-week luxury vacation in Costa Rica, where he's out of touch. Hey, when was the last time you had a two-week foreign vacation? Have you ever had one? I had a two-week vacation once in the seven years at Rebel News. I'm not talking about having Christmas off and, and what that, but one time I took a two-week vacation. I felt, felt very risky because I thought, geez, I can't leave Rebel News for two weeks. Well, I'm not as busy or as important as a prime minister. And uh, it's not the doldrums of summer, nothing's happening. We are in momentous times. Just think of the files that a real prime minister who actually had a work ethic would be covering right now. Inflation is one of the most obvious ones. That means prices are skyrocketing and everyone's getting poorer. Interest rates have been hiked, and that makes mortgages more expensive too. Taxes are high. The airports are a mess. Both Toronto and Montreal are by far the worst airports in the world. We keep winning Worst Airport of the World Award. It's got nothing to do with the airlines. It's got to do with the ArriveCan app which is a vaccine mandate. It's got to do with so many government rules. And of course, there's the passports department. You wait months for a passport. Maybe that's a blessing if you can't fly without one. Now, before he left for Costa Rica, 
Trudeau focused on Ukraine. I don't think he really knows a lot about Ukraine other than he loves photo ops and uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the leader of Ukraine, seems to be all the fashion now. So Trudeau went to Ukraine and had a big photo op of him opening the Canadian embassy in Kiev, a statement that Canada's not running away. We're standing proudly there. There was a bit of a problem as he tried to raise the flag. I think that was symbolic. We later learned that that whole thing was fake. It was government propaganda, disinformation, you could say. In fact, the embassy never did open. Trudeau obviously knew that. He was lying. And in fact, the embassy staff were terrified. They were worried that they were on some sort of hit list for the Russians, either to be kidnapped or, God forbid, or, or even killed, God forbid. And it wasn't all happy smiles. The whole thing was a pack of lies. That's Trudeau's last effort in Ukraine. And he's hiding out in Costa Rica while that and other things happen in the world. So who has weighed in on the recent fracas in Taiwan? Well, Canada's foreign minister is named Melanie Jolie. Jolie means pretty in French, and indeed she is. And it's a constant source of irritation and wonder for me that any woman in Trudeau's orbit is a woman that he must physically touch and grab and hug and pull close to him and get within her private space. And he does this so often in a public moment where if a woman were in a private setting, she would recoil and pull away, maybe even slap his face. But given that he's doing it on live TV or at a press conference, the woman has an immediate and instant choice to make. Do I pull away from this man who's grabbing me inappropriately and embarrass myself in this public moment, or do I just submit and comply? He does it a lot. Just a week ago, Trudeau was at a bar in Prince Edward Island, and he grabbed two waitresses. Look at him here. and Look at his hands. Have you ever touched a woman like that who wasn't your wife or girlfriend? Who does that? Who touches a cabinet minister with a hand around her neck like that? I, I would never imagine doing that to the women who work at Rebel News. I would imagine if I did that, they would quit and probably sue. It would be a Me Too moment. Trudeau does this all the time, but he doesn't do it in private. Who knows what he does in private? He does it in public and the media not along. They're fine with it. Oh, she experienced it differently. This handsiness. Uh, now, does anyone actually believe that Melanie Jolie is in, is in command of our foreign policy? I don't. Um, by the way, just one last thing. I, I don't believe the rumors that Trudeau and Jolie are having an affair. I mean, it's obviously possible. We know that Trudeau is engaged in sexual misconduct before, including sexually assaulting Rose Knight, the um, reporter in Creston, B.C. Um, I think, though, that the way he touches women so inappropriately uh, obviously suggests that he is free with other women in inappropriate ways. So it wouldn't shock me if he actually was having an affair with Melanie Jolie, but that's not actually my point today. My point is that he's inappropriate even without an affair. But back to Jolie herself. She actually put out this mildly positive statement. She did it in concert with other G7 leaders, so I don't think she actually drafted it. So she was mildly positive towards Taiwan and said that China 
should de-escalate, not that Taiwan should. Uh, normally, Canadians say both sides should de-escalate. Um, so, I don't know, maybe Justin Trudeau should go away more because he probably would have had a much more pro-China statement. What we're talking about is a trip to Taiwan the other day. It wasn't even a two-day trip. By Nancy Pelosi, the octogenarian Speaker of the House, the one of the longest-serving Democrats in the Congress, uh, she flew to Taiwan, and there's some uh, websites out there that you can actually track flights in real time. Over 300,000 people were riveted by that and were tracking her plane as it came in to Taiwan. And there were a lot of reasons for that. Curiosity, just the novelty of tracking a plane. And also there were even some mild threats by some Chinese propagandists online that maybe they would shoot down that plane. Could you imagine had they done that? But the fact that they put that propaganda out there shows their bellicosity. A U.S. aircraft carrier was apparently tasked to head closer to Taiwan, but the reaction from mainland China, the People's Republic of China, was the most extreme I think I've ever seen. They had massive drills, and they leaked images of them, uh, propaganda images online. When I say leaked, uh, it's because they normally cover those things up and they censor them on social media. They wanted the world to know how mad they were. Land, sea, and air, they had enormous... Uh, batteries of trucks and military vehicles on the Chinese coast opposite Taiwan. They had naval exercises. Remember, China has um, just debuted a new aircraft carrier. And they sent fighter jets around Taiwan. So they encircled Taiwan when Nancy Pelosi was there. They were, had tough language. And I saw one economic ripple that was attributed to Nancy Pelosi's visit, a major Chinese company that was going to open a battery factory in the United States, put that on hold. Now, was this a wise decision for Nancy Pelosi to go? Believe it or not, the Biden White House and the State Department distanced themselves from Pelosi. The official American position is the same as Canada's official position, which is one of ambiguity not formally recognizing Taiwan as an independent country. And I don't think Nancy Pelosi actually did that. By the way, she's not the first Speaker of the House to visit Taiwan. Newt Gingrich did, the, did that too. But that was about 25 years ago when China was a lot weaker economically and militarily than now China is pretty much on par with the United States economically. And militarily, they're behind, but they're catching up quickly. But it raised the question... Should the West, including Canada, though I'm not sure what we would ever even do, should we go to war for Taiwan to keep it free? I mean, actually a war. You know, Canadians fought and died in the Korean War. There were some volunteers in the Vietnam War, but Canada was deployed to Korea. Now, Taiwan is not a NATO ally. ally. We are not bound to defend it in the same way we are, let's say, an attack on the United States. Taiwan is so very far away. Again, I don't know how we could actually help them. It would take us an enormous amount of time and effort to get there. I fear that a war in Taiwan would be over quite quickly. And, uh, of course, there's the, the fact that China is not only a strong conventional military power with the second largest military budget in the world, but they're a nuclear power. They have nuclear weapons. Should Canada or the United States go to war against a nuclear power, China, for Taiwan. There are com obvious comparisons to the war in Ukraine. 
But I think there's many important differences too. Taiwan is a very free country with a strong rule of law and deep civil liberties. I don't think you can say that about Ukraine. I think it's very corrupt. It's run by oligarchs. In the past few months, Zelensky has cracked down on opposition parties and even banned media that don't support him. I think China's imperialism is a deeper and more far-reaching problem than Russia's imperialism, which seems to be restricted to certain ethnically Russian parts of Ukraine. I'm not legitimizing it or excusing it, but I think an observation is that Russia's territorial ambitions, they annex Crimea, they want to have eastern parts of Ukraine, are much more modest than China's imperialism to swallow whole all of Taiwan and to expand elsewhere, possibly even Korea, and to threaten even Japan. Remember, they just absorbed Hong Kong and are proceeding to strip it of its civil liberties. So what exactly is Nancy Pelosi doing there? Well, I think it was a bit rash, but it was not a militarization of Ukraine. Nancy Pelosi didn't come with $40 billion worth of Pentagon weapons as Biden and the Congress just approved for Ukraine. She wasn't coming to make a statement that Taiwan is now recognized as an independent country. She was just flying there. And I'm not even actually sure what the goal was other than to show that she could do it. And maybe that's why I'm actually sympathetic to it. Nancy Pelosi was a bull in a china shop. It's fascinating. Donald Trump was much more antagonistic to China than Nancy Pelosi. I mean, Biden and Pelosi are China's best friends in the United States. Trump was China's worst ally. But Trump did not provoke China in any uh, manner that yielded this response. In fact, when, Ch when Trump visited China, they rolled out the red carpet for him and they gave him nicknames like Uncle Donald and Donald the Strong. Here they're threatening to go to war against Nancy Pelosi. But the very fact that Pelosi's trip to Taiwan was so unconsequential and it uh, lacked meaning, that is, is why I think it's defensible. Could China really veto the visit of the Speaker of the House to, to Taiwan just by pounding their chest and hollering? Would that be enough to veto a visit by a top American lawmaker to Taiwan? I don't think that that could be excused. I don't think that you would ever want to get into a situation where Taiwan could say no Americans could fly here, no Canadians can fly there. Now, it's fascinating, this hyperventilation in China. It's fascinating, but not surprising that it comes from a Democrat. The Democrats really do love wars, don't they? I mean, Trump fought in Afghanistan, but it fell under Biden. Um, this provocation, um, as it's being seen by China, is coming to the most pro-China uh, administration in memory. Trump didn't do that. Trump was a negotiator. I think Biden and the deep state that loves war, I don't think they're actually as good at their job as they claim. And maybe that is a silver lining here. I don't know how this is going to end. I hope it'll blow over. We don't need another war. But maybe this ill-advised visit, this provocative visit by Nancy Pelosi will do accidentally what Trump was starting to do on purpose to unhook the two superpowers. Trump was doing it with trade sanctions, with a call to repatriate American jobs and factories to home, and by calling out Chinese espionage, industrial spying, 
and checking Chinese expansion of Trump said exactly what irritated him and took legislative steps to correct it and diplomatic steps to correct it. Biden and Pelosi have done none of that. But by stumbling around in Taipei, maybe they will make China pull the two empires apart. And I think that's a good thing. I think that it shouldn't be as easy and casual to travel to China as it is now. I think we Canadians have to remember they kidnapped the two Michaels and held them for years just to prove a point that they stole our industrial secrets too, including Nortel, a great Canadian company that they practically destroyed. I think we have to start pulling Canada and the United States apart from China. We have to start making more things here, including minerals. Did you know that 90% of medicine that we consume comes from China? Did you know that? An enormous amount of our tech, including our phones and computers, made in China. Don't you think we should unhook from them a little bit? And if that is the outcome of Nancy Pelosi's trip to, to Taiwan, well, maybe it's a good thing after all. Stay with us. My friend David Menzies will have the guest interview next. Well, folks, just when you thought that the trampling of our rights and freedoms all in the name of COVID safety couldn't get any more brutal, well, along comes this story from Windsor, Ontario. Resident Chris Soda is planning to run for Windsor City Council this fall. But when he visited City Hall to file his paperwork and pay his registration fee, a city clerk informed Mr. Soda that all City of Windsor employees, including apparently councillors, must be fully vaccinated. Translation, given that Chris is not fully vaccinated, he wouldn't be able to run for office, apparently. What next? If a Windsor resident is not vaxxed, does that mean they forfeit their right to vote? Outrageous. And joining me now from the City of Windsor is Chris Soda. How are you doing there, sir? Yes, good afternoon, David. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you, my friend. Chris, when you were originally told that you were basically persona non grata due to your back status in terms of running for office, how did you feel? <laughs> okay, I wouldn't be that dramatic about it, David, but uh, uh, I, uh, you know, like I, like I said, I spent approximately 45 minutes um, finishing off all the paperwork, uh, signing everything off, paying the fees, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then the last page was, oh, uh, by the way, um, all city of Windsor uh, employees have to be, uh, I think the term was fully vaccinated or some mention of, of vac you know, COVID vaccinations. And so I, uh, <laughs> I just paused for a second. I said, oh, really? Well, I said, uh, you know, my private medical choices are probably going to stay private. I said, uh, you know, for the most part, but, um, just out of curiosity, why would a counselor need to be vaccinated uh, and a Windsor police officer who's also, <clears throat> excuse me, a city of Windsor employee uh, wouldn't need to be vaccinated. Oh, and, uh, and, and Chris, if I can yeah. jump in there, I yeah. think this is a very important point. The clerk said all city of Windsor employees. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, the police right. are city of Windsor employees. I mean, right. they, you know, they're they have their own board, but that's neither here nor there. But and when I think of police work, 
sometimes as a cop, you're getting your hands dirty. Literally, you're dealing with uh, bad guys. There might be bodily fluids, blood, what have you. Uh, and there's no mandatory vaccination for that. But for somebody that's implementing policy at City Hall, um, you have to be vaccinated. I, I don't get the logic here. Well, I thought for a minute, maybe they must have some pretty volatile uh, council sessions where they're lots <laughs> and lights, and maybe that's what I know. Seriously. So I just say, you know, would you mind checking checking this for me? Very, very nice woman uh, at the clerk's office. You know, not her fault. She's just relaying the, the you know message. So she said, yeah, it's a good question. I'll, I'll, I'll check with our legal department and I'll get back to you early next week. This was on a Thursday. Uh, so I waited until the Tuesday, that was early next week, and I called and asked for that person, and I was told, uh, that person's off uh, for this week. Uh, can I leave a message? I said, well, can you check this for me? It's a pretty simple question. You know, I'm, I want to run it as a counselor in, uh, for the council position in War II, uh, but I, I guess there's a, a vaccination requirement for city of Windsor employees. Could you find out if that applies to a counselor? She said, oh, yes, no problem. I'll get back to you by the end of the week. That was on the Tuesday. So on Friday... Uh, nobody got back to me. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I was uh, meeting with my friends. One suggested that I contact uh, Rebel News about this. And I said, so they, they don't, uh, they, they have more important fish to fry. He goes, no, 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 contact them. So I did. And, uh, you know, I just sent a, a, an email there very quickly. And uh, like five minutes later, you contacted me. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, Chris, uh, with all due respect, I think this is a very big fish to fry. The very idea that an individual in a democracy could be forced to sit on the sidelines because of not getting a vaccination. I think that's huge. And I'm not kidding. Like, what's the next step? Voters uh, who don't get yeah. vaccinated, they get denied their franchise there. Now, eventually, Chris, as I understand, when we spoke off camera, they said it was under review. Uh, you you right. kicked up a, a stink about this uh, very politely, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, City Hall uh, moves at the speed of a glacier, it would seem. But eventually you did get in touch with somebody and you scored what I would call a partial victory. What is the uh, deal as of right now, Chris? Parsh the partial victory, the pyrrhic victory, as you put it, David, is this. Uh, number one, uh, I am eligible to run as a counselor uh, for the council position in War II. Uh, here in Windsor for the October 24th election. Uh, part two, uh, if I'm elected, I'll be able to represent my constituents um, uh, as a city of Windsor employee. Uh, number three, uh, the vaccination requirements are still in place. So uh, when all the smoke clears from all that, this basically means you can run when you get elected, uh, you can represent the ward, but you either have to get your shots to do it to represent the ward in person in council chambers, or they didn't actually say it, but I'm guessing the only other alternative would be some sort of uh, uh, video video conferencing of some kind, um, you know, in the next room or or from my home, whatever. Uh, but I just think it just puts, you know, it, it, it's shackling uh, someone. You know, you're trying to represent your ward. You want to be there face to face. You want to be able to make eye contact with people. Body language is a big part of communication. I'm sure you're aware of that, right? So, oh, yeah. you know, I want, yeah, I want to, I want to represent my ward in, in a healthy, responsible manner. And and now I'm, you know, right off the bat, they're telling me, well, you know, you, you can't sit with us. So it's, you know, it's a little strange, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, 
you know, I, I'm only one person, David, like, you know, there's lots of people in Canada who, who face a lot of more serious issues, but, you know, going forward, just, you know, the whole idea that a municipal uh, regulation or bylaw, whatever they call it, um, can supersede federal or provincial election guidelines. It's like, you know, this is, this is supposed to be guaranteed in, uh, I suppose, our charter or, or our constitution. Here's the city saying, well, forget about if you're Canadian and you're 18 and you live in the area, those things don't matter as much as do you have your shot. So it's like, well, I didn't notice that change to uh, any federal or provincial uh, laws. So, yeah, so you know, that that's the, the first thing. But the second thing, there are a lot of municipal elections coming up. It's not, uh, you know, in, in Canada for the rest of there's like, I think maybe 10 different uh, jurisdictions that are going to have municipal elections. So are they going to face the same you know, the same kind of thing. You're going to have to be vaccinated. Other people are going to be running in this election here in Windsor. Um, I'm sure they're not all vaccinated either. So, you know, I, I just think it's a strange uh, point to make at this time. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, you roll with the punches. Uh, I try to keep a sense of humor about this. Uh, so it's like, well, okay, um, I want to be I want to be seen as as making a difference uh, you know, at city council, I just didn't think it would be like a difference in, in medical choices, but yeah. that's okay. I'm, I'm willing to go forward with it. Uh, as I mentioned to you, I've got two main issues I want to run on. Um, but, you know, if they're going to make the vaccination issue, you know, I didn't really want to talk about that at all um, originally until I got hit with that when I went to city hall. And it's like, okay, so if this is going to be, you know, the media is going to force this as an issue, um, Okay, then you know what I got. I got it taken on. So you know, I'm happy I've got the opportunity to explain a little bit here today on your show. Well, Chris, I mean, uh, I, I agree. It's good to keep your sense of humor about things in these crazy times. But I'm failing to see the punchline here. I mean, as you said, in theory, if you were to get elected in uh, the fall and be the councillor for Ward Two, you can't attend City Hall. You have to be at home, basically quarantining like you're a, a modern day typhoid Mary. Um, yeah. it, it, I, I would argue, uh, why not make attendance a matter of choice, which is to say, despite your vaccination status, uh, if you want to come into council, you're free to come into council. If you have a problem with fellow councillors who might not say be vaccinated or you don't know their vaccination status, then you stay at home and uh, cocoon in, in a home office. Uh, the other factor, uh, Chris, do you, um, you're right. I don't even, I don't know if this is indeed something a municipality uh, can enact and enforce. So I'm curious, is there maybe a legal challenge here about such a coercive and discriminatory policy when it comes to vaccination? I just found out about this myself, you know, uh, the same, uh, you know, the same uh, week I, I, uh, I messaged you. Um, I actually, I don't know if it's being challenged anywhere in court. And, you know, like I say, um, if it, you know, if it is being challenged, uh, that's probably going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot, you know, after October 24th. So I'm, I'm more practical about this. It's like, okay, so they're going to say I'm going to run. I just, I honestly think that, you know, when I'm elected, that they're not going to go through with this. They're not going to say, 
oh, okay, he's a duly elected uh, rep for for War Two, and uh, you know, here's your uh, here's your your, your uh, Zoom code and ID for you to participate. I don't see them doing that. I think there would be too much negative publicity from this. They would just say. We're going to make an exception to our bylaw or our regulation, so you know, so this guy can sit. But you know, what, you know, if you've ever attended municipal meetings, they normally sit in a chamber, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a circle uh, or facing each other. They're in a semicircle, um, and there's people in attendance. So I'm just wondering, like, if I have to be vaccinated, <laughs> city bylaw. What about the people who are in attendance? No, of course they're not city of Windsor employees, but. That you know, the virus doesn't care about that. The virus doesn't hop around looking for who's paid by the city, who works for the city. The virus goes anywhere. So I, I just don't see the point of sitting in a room with the people vaccinated, and there's 200 other people who are not, and they're going to say, "Well, I feel safer because you know Chris Soda is vaccinated. I don't really care about those other 200." It's like this is you know the logic is just it's bizarre. So oh, I, I agree, Chris. Maybe yeah. the solution is to take something from the classic uh, uh, TV series Get Smart. Remember the cone of silence? We'll just put people in uh, transparent tubes and ensure uh, social distancing and uh, non-viral contact. But um, we got to wrap it up. We're running out of time. Okay. However, I, I want to uh, speak to you. You mentioned something that was key about the negative publicity. But when we spoke off camera, you told me that um, the likes of the local media there, such as the Windsor Star, uh, I think this is a hell of a story. They think likewise. In fact, you even told me that you've been banned from commenting on the comments page of the Windsor Star you don't do, uh, I'll take you at your word, you say you're not profane or threatening or racist, anything like that. It's just that you have a tendency to ask impolite questions. And I guess the Windsor Star, uh, being a Justin Trudeau media outlet, they're happy to have your money, no, not so happy to have your opinions or your rude questions. Tell us a little bit about that, my friend. Well, very quickly, yes. Okay, so yeah, th that happened long before. I, I, got, I got banned from... Uh, I think post media in general, <laughs> the, uh, the National Post, the Winter Star, they all kind of fell in succession there, <laughs> one after the other. But basically, uh, you know, you you write and they, uh, you know, you, there's an article of some kind. Uh, so, you know, you, you write uh, a comment or you answer someone else's comment. And, you know, you expect if you're using the wrong kind of language that you're not going to get your, your, your opinion published, right? But it wasn't the case. It would just say, uh, uh, pending, you know, you get like a little thing that said pending, um, or then content deactivated. And, you know, I checked why, and would say you violated our community bylines. So I would call, uh, like I, I called the star a couple of times. I said, what, what community bylines uh, have, have I violated? And uh, the, the guy uh, couldn't couldn't come up with any. And I said, well, you know, it's on, it's on the page there. You, you can see it yourself. What, what am I doing? He goes, well, you know, I'll, I'll check more into this. So, you know, after a while, you just say, okay, it's good. <laughs> so forget it. But it's like, uh, I think it's a tendency in this country uh, to muzzle uh, people who ask uh, uncomfortable questions. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, maybe maybe with, with my situation, this might come up, like, why do I have to be vaccinated? Police officers don't. That's also an uncomfortable question. Uh, but, you know, in Canada, we we don't have that vibrant uh, discussion that we used to be able to have. So I think that's like the biggest picture of all. Yeah. 
You are you're a hundred percent right, uh, Chris. And we should have that discussion, especially since we are involuntarily paying for it. I mean, the Windsor Star might say they're all about diversity. I'm sure, not so much diversity of opinions. That is clear. Chris, it was a delight uh, speaking with you. Good luck in the uh, fall election. And um, depending on what happens, uh, maybe there, a follow-up story uh, will, will be beckoning uh, in case you do indeed uh, win your writing and uh, you get on the horse to get this uh, crazy vaccination policy change yeah. at the city of Windsor. So you have a good day, my friend. Pleasure talking to you. Pleasure is mine, David. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you to your view, uh, viewers for tuning in today, too. Thank you so much. You got it. And there you have it, folks. That is Chris Soda. He is running in Ward 2 in the city of Windsor in the fall municipal election. Keep it here. More of the Ezra Levent show to come right after this. Folks, lots of response to yesterday's Ezra Levant show, especially Ezra's monologue. Trip E88 writes, arrested for causing a group of mentally ill predators some anxiety. If I don't laugh, I swear to God, I will cry. Yeah, imagine that, folks. In this day and age, if you tweet out a meme, a meme that is deemed offensive by the alphabet soup people, well, you can expect the police to come a knocking on your door. I mean, yeah, there's murder and assault and rape and carjacking, but getting offended by a meme, that's really serious. My Sparrow writes, the Trudeau government has changed everything a true Canadian and Canada has always stood for. The day all these government leaders and every entity of the government lives the way they're pushing on the citizens for two full years is the day I might take them partially serious. You know, I totally agree. And look how fast this change has occurred. Justin Trudeau got elected in 2015. That was only seven years ago. I would say that I don't recognize what's happened to this country in just seven years, less than a decade. Let us collectively hope regime change is on the way hopefully sooner rather than later. Well, folks, uh, thank you so much for tuning in to the Ezra Levant Show. I'll be back tomorrow, Friday, hosting for the Big Boss Man. He is on urgent business, as always. And in the meantime, as always, stay sane. Reconciliation is something that is extremely important to this country, and uh, it is a process that will involve uh, many steps forward and a few setbacks. Uh, it is difficult. Uh, as we all know, to end these long-term boil water advisories. Otherwise, other governments would have done it. People in Grassy Narrows are suffering from mercury poisoning. You Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for your donation tonight. I really appreciate the uh, donation to the Liberal Party of Canada. Water is essential. So much of what we do depends entirely upon it. Whether it be making a morning cup of coffee, bathing our kids, watering the lawn, or simply trusting that we can pour a glass and have something to drink. We as Canadians fundamentally trust that when we turn on a tap, there will be safe and readily available water coming out of it.
for 16 years now. 16 years. Clean and safe water is so essential, in fact, that it can only be considered one thing, and that is a fundamental human right. I really do worry about the children. It is hard to believe that even in 2022, there are countries on Earth that are struggling to provide clean drinking water for certain communities, particularly when those countries are G7 nations, like Canada. What does that say about our country? That's why we're launching cleanwaternow.ca to address the reprehensible inaction of politicians in this country who fail to address the horrific circumstances that many First Nations communities in this country are living through. There are 27 First Nations communities that do not have access and are under long-term drink water advisories, which means for at least a year, they have not had access to clean and safe drinking water. Where still, there are some First Nations communities that have been under long-term drink water advisories since 1995. That, for those paying attention, is two years before the last residential school closed. These communities are being denied fundamental human rights these Canadian communities. This is fundamentally un-Canadian, and this is an authentic emergency that must be addressed, not like these phony climate emergencies that we're spending so much money on. This is an issue that extends far beyond politics, despite people like Justin Trudeau continuing to capitalize on the suffering of these communities. He's not well-liked by Indigenous peoples because he's not for us. The fact is these politicians largely don't care about these communities. We have heard firsthand absolute horror stories about toxic and carcinogenic water, communities where women's arms are red all the way up simply from washing the dishes because the water's toxic, communities where children cannot bathe more than once a week without risking their skin having severe reactions. The horror stories go on and on. You're no doubt aware that Pope Francis very recently visited Canada on an apology tour of sorts, hoping to make amends for the wrongs caused at residential schools. While many people appreciate that he made the effort, apologizing for the wrongs of the past is one thing, but taking action to address the issues and hardships being faced by Indigenous communities, well that is something else. That indicates a real significant change. To correct past injustices and to bring about better quality of life for Indigenous peoples in Canada. At cleanwaternow.ca for the coming months, we will be taking a hard look at the barriers and the politics that are preventing all Canadians from accessing clean drinking water. We're also going to be looking to take significant action and to hold elected officials accountable to bring clean drinking water to not some, but all Canadians. Sign our petition and demand clean water for all Canadians now and learn more about this important story at cleanwaternow.ca.